get the podcast going and let's go ahead and start our Instagram. Hello everyone and good afternoon. BC here and hope you experience a wonderful afternoon here on a lovely Tuesday. And if you're overseas, good evening. Hope everything is well. And for those of you listening to me on the podcast formats, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to listen to me. Ah, Kevin is here, but Kevin's here. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's over there. Um, but nonetheless, and those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for being such great audience members. I really appreciate that. Marty, my neighbor. Good seeing you, Marty. And for those of you who don't know Marty Staggs, he is a proprietor here next door at TurboSmart. D, good seeing you. Good seeing you as well. Hello, Brian. Hello, RepSpeed. Good afternoon. Hi, Tuner Car Crazy. AJ from the UK in the house. Good seeing you. Sam. Oh, Sam, I owe you some information. Okay, Sam, after this, I promise I'm going to go to the dyno and get that information for you. Hello, Stefan. Iron Lungs, greetings. Campfire. Rasta. Good afternoon. Good seeing you. More videos, Datsun Fever says, on the Civic. I promise to give you much more of those. Greetings from New York. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words, Kyle. Thank you very much. You know, um, I think it was really cool, Fox. I'm going to put that up. So, guys, um, Fox Design is a very good supporter of my project. And the Joker guy put up this crazy, beautiful render of the wagon. It was pretty nice. Yo, MB, to be the turbo. My pleasure, Sam. Thanks for your patience. LBC, good seeing you. Florida is in the house. Thank you so much, Box Lifestyle, for joining us. Box Lifestyle, you're probably into wagons as well. Edo, wave to you. Hope everything is great. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you for the kind words. Um, my nationality, life, I am Nigerian from West Africa. Oh, Canada. Well, I do quite a bit with Canada, quite a bit of business in Canada. Thank you so much for joining me. El Salvador, thank you so much. All this love for all around the world, I really, really appreciate that. And, you know, it's love that really keeps us going and, and makes us who we are. And speaking of that love, I just want to thank Falcon Lover for providing me this. This is something that he put together. This is like my Dodge tow vehicle and my trailer that's outside. And look at this. For those of you who remember my old school CRX, he took time to put skinnies on it, slicks. <laughs> this is really cool. This is so nice. Zach, thank you so much. Zach, also known as Falcon Lover here on Instagram. Thank you so much for this. Very, I'm a... You know, I have a soft spot for Hot Wheels and, and these toys and the fact that he took so much attention to detail and, and built my CRX to its last design before retiring is really cool, you know, which is really, really nice. So thank you so much, Zach, for that. I appreciate the kind words. Germany, good seeing you. Um, I think Good is asking, is five turbo manifolds for D-Series? Not physical experience, I've physically seen it, but I haven't had the opportunity to play with it uh, personally. I typically have custom manifolds that we make. Good afternoon. Danny GSR, good seeing you as well. Joseph, super the guard. Wow, so much love here. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me on this Tech Tuesday where we discuss everything about cars, projects, the future, you name it, so on and so forth, you know? Let's see. Boost, Boosted Boy Dre says he's working right now, but it was too tempting. <laughs> so don't get in trouble on my behalf. But nonetheless, after this, it'll be up on Instagram for 24 hours. And then I'll upload to YouTube, which you can subscribe if you're not subscribing right now on the Beast Model YouTube channel. Subscribe and use the notification bell so you can get updated every time I put up a cool video on my projects or wagon or the Tech Tuesday. And on the podcasting realm, we have 
iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Uh, let's see, what's another popular one? Um, Radio Public, quite a few of them out there. Uh, Podbean, we're all there. Team Rep Speed is actually going way back. Carlsbad, yep. This CRX, this is how my, my Rex looked before I retired it in Carlsbad. It looked just like that. It's pretty cool. So it's nice to have so much love. I mean, all the way down to detail of the clear tail lights I had on the CRX, which is pretty nice, and the narrow rear end with the skinnies. I've always been a huge advocate of skinnies and low rolling resistance tires, especially on front wheel drive applications, because the real wheels, what are you doing? You're just dragging it, right? You're just dragging those wheels. And that being said, I'm a huge advocate of trying to reduce that. A front wheel drive Porsche, no. The closest thing would be that yellow one right there, which is like a, what I refer to as a Del Solo Porsches, which is a 914, but not a front wheel drive Porsche. This is actually a CRX, you know? <laughs> I probably should. But I mean, good, you're overseas, so ringing your employer, unless you work at night, would be a bit of a challenge, wouldn't it? You know? Oh, well, Dennis says that he watched the fastest car on Netflix and wished I'd won with the Odyssey. As a matter of fact, Dennis, no. It's a wonderful thing that I didn't win. It's a wonderful thing to show and educate people on that. You know, horsepower is on everything. If you don't put it to the ground, it doesn't matter. Above and beyond that, the wagon, this wagon on my, on my shirt, and the wagon that now exists in the back of the shop in an all-wheel drive sequential configuration would never have existed if I had won that show. So the fact that I lost and understood that power is one thing, but getting adhesion to the ground is something else, laying rubber for an entire quarter mile doesn't help. You need adhesion to be able to go fast, and that's the reason why that car exists today. So every disappointment, I really believe it is a blessing, you know? Um, so, Raceman967 said, what design considerations or changes need to be made for a BCS Turbo at Denver altitude, 6,000 feet? More boost helps and gearing. When I say gearing, numerically higher gearing helps with torque multiplication and allows you. So if you have the budget to run with a more numerically higher gearbox, that helps you tremendously. Um, Special invite to our box vans and wagon show in October. Let me know, Box Lifestyle, where it is. Send me a DM on that here on Instagram, you know? Thank you so much, Emin for Keem. I appreciate the kind words. I like to, if, if it's nearby, I'd love to bring the Odyssey, which I don't think you guys can see. It's, it's all the way back there. Or the wagon, which is pretty cool, you know? Um, do I have openings to do some install work and touch-up tune? It depends on the involvement. So, um, Jerome can be able to definitely help us with the, any touch-up work and the tuning. I can definitely do that. I can get you in the schedule. It's pretty crazy, but I'm sure we can squeeze you in. Hello, Dip and Deep. Thank you for the kind words. Really good to see you. Um, so, Pedro says I should do more build biology on Honeygins. Yes, I do plan on doing that. So, this year is going to be really crazy with projects. Above and beyond some of the ones you've seen before. And we haven't taken our blue Porsche there, so I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, the blue 911 with the rear turbos. That would be really nice. But... They've had such great response based upon your support with the Bear Biology. Don't be surprised if you see tons of builds from Bissamoto there. Don't be surprised if they come over here and do something cool for a full day. That would be pretty nice, you know? Yes, absolutely. I did learn from the loss. Torque SXE10 says failing forward is key. Yes. I wouldn't say the loss is more experience. So even above and beyond the fact that my peers being rural drive ran slicks pretty much, um, it was still an opportunity for me to learn and try and find ways to make my projects better. And now a lighter, all-wheel drive, faster shifting car is in place. And for season three, it should be pretty nice, you know? Um, do I have my own beater car is what Iman for Kim is asking. Yes, I do. So today, as Kevin is back there watching, he can attest to it, I have a 
2017 Hyundai Ionic Hybrid as my beater. It's my daily right now. Thank you so much, Nuke. I love the wagon as well, you know? So, updates on wagon rear diff from across the pond? Nothing yet. You know what? They have received, they received the diff on Friday from me. It took that long to clear customs, believe it or not. So, I'm going to touch base with Dale and see where we are. So, let me write to him this weekend. Uh, maybe even tonight. And hope I can hear back from them soon. But if it's something that they don't have that can be readily available, they may have to manufacture something that may take a little bit of time, you know? So JP Fierro is asking, can AM Infinity run two-step or still got to buy one and run paired and standalone or does standalone do it all? So JP Fierro, let me tell you what the AM Infinity has in terms of two-step. It has two-step, three-step, speed limiters, uh, limiters in terms of valet modes, anti-lag. It's, it's ridiculous what it has. So if you want a launch control where you just have a two-step based upon a button, you can do it. If you want a two-step based upon vehicle speed, you can do it. If you want a two-step based upon... Uh, a fail-safe, you can do it. If you want two-step based upon a gear, you can do it. Anything you want. It's two-step, three-step, it has it all. If you want to combine a two-step for launching and a two-step for burning out, you can do it. So answer is yes. The AM Infinity is absolutely one of my best ECUs that I love so much. I haven't, wow, if you look in this facility, there's Infinity in this, there's Infinity in that, there's Infinity going in the red one. Every, I, I just love it. I love Infinities. And that's what's in my wagon as well. So yes, it does do that, you know? I think it says, I'm going to be ordering the last few NA components before I boost my D16Z6, which could make it a 68 or 70 millimeter throttle body. You couldn't go wrong with either one. Uh, 68 is what I have most success with. I did over 700 with a 68. So you can have a lot of fun with that based upon my experience. Whatever is more easier for you to find. And also, the 70 may be difficult, depending on your manifold, to be able to match that easily. So that extra 2 millimeters, 1 millimeter per side may help, you know? Um, CRV rear diff gear ratio, I don't know offhand. I can find out and definitely get that to you, but it's pretty common knowledge. I don't know it offhand. Um, I appreciate that stupid card. Thank you so much. Have you ever built a compound turbo setup, and do you have any suggestions for resources on matching the turbos? So, no, I haven't built one, but I have it on paper. And compound with two turbos depends. So I would tend, as you know, it's, it's, it's a multiple. So it's not an additional, it's not an aggregate in terms of let's say 20 pounds above 20 pounds here, it's an aggregate. So for me to be able to answer that question on matching your turbos, I need to know your horsepower potential and the type of activity. The beauty of compounding turbos is that you can feed a small turbo with a larger one and have the best of both worlds. You can have the spool of a smaller turbo and capabilities, and you can also have the high RPM boost of the larger turbo combined. And the other challenge you may experience is if you size a small one too small, it may choke out your larger one. So there's a little finesse that should be executed there, you know. Danny GSR says, is it true you have to wait months on the list to get tuned by DC Motor? What do you think, Kevin? Do you have to wait a months to get in tune with me? I have to, have to wait a month, month and a half. He had to wait a month and a half. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes you may have to, especially if it's a lot of part of the year. We have a bunch of OEM projects it's a bit of a challenge. But right now, yeah. we'll probably get you in. I think the next opening I have is in two weeks, possibly. You know? Thank you so much, E30VT. I appreciate the kind words by sharing I'm one of the kind of country. Tobor Smart Headquarters is here. Good seeing you. Um, I must be really far behind. There's so many messages coming in. I'm missing them, you know? It's pretty sad, you know? Um, one shot, one kill. You is asking me, what do I think of FuelTech ECU? I think we were talking about that in DMs. I have never heard of it. Never have. Kevin, are you familiar with FuelTech? Yeah, it's a, like a carb to EFI conversion. 
He said it was a carb to EFI conversion, and that's the case. Doesn't seem very advanced to me. But one shark tail said a lot of people use it. He wants me to help tune it. No, I, I really, I love the AMfinity because of how fast the processor is, the built-in uh, wideband controls, the capability to run drive-by-wire, the opportunities for me to do amazing things. It's like a process controller that happens to be an ECU. And as myself, as a chemical engineer who's very com comfortable with process control designs, it's like a flow chart more than anything else, yes or no. Very simple setup, but allows you to do things the ECU wasn't, wasn't designed to do. It's something that I find extremely appealing. So that being said, one shot until I get experience intimately with it, I'm not in best position to be able to answer that properly for you, you know? Let's see. What is three-step? Well, three-step is just an additional step to a two-step. In other words, if you have an ECU that has a two-step and you take up that function by controlling something, let's say you're extinguishing spark every other revolution, and what I mean by that is, let's take a simple inline-four engine, like what's in my wagon. It fires one, three, four, two. That's how the firing order is. If you extinguish spark every other revolution, instead of one, three, four, two, you do one, four, two, three, you can have an opportunity to limit how that engine revs. And that is a two-step. Now, if you assign that function to, let's say, initiate every time your vehicle speed is between zero and seven, then every time your vehicle's at rest or below seven miles an hour, you have this rev limit. Now, what if you want another function that can also limit? That is now called a three-step. Not your overall rev limiter, but something else that is controlled by an external dimension, let's say water temperature or crankcase pressure or oil pressure being as a failsafe or fuel pressure as a failsafe or you want to have a burnout rev limit that can initiate with a button. That is now a three-step because it's now another function of rev limit in addition to your two-step that's already used up somewhere else. I hope that helps. Simple Low Clean says, you're such a great tuner. I watched the video you tuned with VINS S14 1J VVTI. Would you ever consider ECU Master EMU? So low, Simple Low Clean, thank you so much for the kind words. I'm familiar with the ECU Master. I think a few super guys do use that. I would consider it, but at this point, it's not my ECU of choice. For a B, boosted B F20B, I know you need a block guard, but should I sleeve it as well? Well, it's either one or the other. So. For the earlier block guard systems that you kind of pound into your block, I'm not a huge advocate of those because they tend to distort the top of the cylinders and not do a very good job with heat, being able to dissipate the heat, or with cylinder concentricity. The, every time I push an F20B north of 400, I sleeve it. That's what I do. If you want to experiment with some other options like the guys from, um, what's that other company that does like a, a more elegant block guard? What is it called? CSS. CSS. So if you want to explore a CSS setup, that's fine. It's pretty cost-effective and can allow you that. But if you want to have a sleeve block, I use Golden Eagle, and that's what I have in pretty much all my projects here as well. You know? What's next towards getting final horsepower numbers with the wagon? And Crane Miners want to know. It's time. Right now, even when Kevin came in here, I was busy trying to ship things. I am so tied up with customer stuff and the evenings with family stuff. I don't have time. It's my customers first. So I have no, I'm in no rush to do it. The car is right here. I can do it at any time, but it's it's difficult. And plus, I want to test some components, too. Thank you so much, Automotive KMD. Stefan shares is 2.533 to 1, which is the final drive in the rear of the CRV. So that being said, I'm testing some stuff for Stefan. I'm testing some stuff for MPC. There's so much I want to do. 
Um, there are quite a few. I think Super Street wants to cover it. There's an event, Fuel Fest, this weekend that's happening at the Angel Stadium with Cody Walker, which is uh, Paul Walker's brother. So we're going to do that. So so much going. Every sh I have no free time. Once I get free time, I'll be more than happy to. I wouldn't even mind tracking now at 700 plus. 772 is really a lot of power. I wouldn't mind tracking it. But I, I'll put it back on Dino when, when I have a chance. It's not, it's not priority for me right now. Um, newer CRV is 2.562. Stefan, let me know what year the cutoff is, which is pretty nice, you know? Um, oh, thank you so much, Psycho. Appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. Oh, so many I'm missing. Um, let's see. I bought an eBay Turbo, eBay Turbo Kit. <laughs> I'm laughing. I should get my wig. <laughs> I, okay. So the two peppies I have, and of course our friends from Eden Good can attest to this. eBay Turbos. And I didn't want to say it, but I have to. Vitara Pistons. Those two things are things I don't really like. Only because they're not very quality components. Um, I've had customers come here to tune with eBay turbos, and literally the car's at idle and the turbo doesn't spin. You rev it, and then it moves. <laughs> I know, I think good is laughing now. <laughs> Retar pistons, it's a cost-effective way to be able to get lower compression and D-series setups, but when they go out, and they do go out, they disintegrate. And when they disintegrate, they take out your entire engine, the head, other cylinders, your turbo. It's not worth the savings. It's just not worth it. Invest properly. Begin with the end in mind and do what's right. Begin with the end in mind. Get quality turbochargers with quality components like what Turbonex has and Precision and quality controls like what you may see from, from uh, TurboSmart. Get quality pistons like what you may see from Trom. Invest in your project and it'll treat you well. And when you're done, get some proper oil like the Pyro back there and make sure that your lubrication, which is the lifeblood of your engine, is up to snuff. It's extremely important, you know. Yes, I think Good says it. He says some people have had good results. Yes, getting results with a proper tune and so on and so forth will give you results. But what happens in the long run? As you may say, as you may hear, I think Good from where you're from, a penny wise, pound foolish. You're trying to save a penny and you spend more than a pound. So that being said, the difference in price is maybe $250, $300. Save up, get the right parts, and have peace of mind. It's the right way to go, you know? Ruben, great question. He asked my opinion on electric cars. Ruben, it is the future. I love EV technology. And why do I love EV technology? Not only because it's technologically advanced, but I love going fast. And to be honest with you, you cannot beat, you cannot beat, thank you Nick for loving my Civic, I appreciate that. You cannot beat immediate torque at one RPM. You just can't. I understand for those of you who may say it doesn't sound cool, I don't need the sound. I just want to go fast, you know? And Kevin says, batteries, FTW is right. And if you want the best of both worlds, like the NSX I covered not too long ago, gives you the both of bo best of both worlds. You have three electric motors combined with a petrol engine. And it gives you the feel and the sound that you may experience from that, but it also gives you the advantages where there's no lag whatsoever in that setup because the electric motors immediately launch the car. And then there's a seamless transition into petrol. We'll get into that more. I'm going to try and get another NSX. We can go into more detail with that, you know? Mr. Jimmy is asking a great question. Does Pure hold up well when combined with E85? It does. As a matter of fact, Pure is one of the few oils, if not only the only one out there, that is 
scientifically proven to be compatible and compliant with E85 and methanol. So when you look at the bottle, there's a nice designation there. I'm not surprised because these guys come from aerospace and they deal with a lot more heat and friction and chemical resilience than we see in cars. So they know that many of us, you and I, tend to run a lot of ethanol-based fuels or alcohol-based fuels. And it's very easy to dilute. It's very easy to have an oil that can froth up and not give you the protection you desire. Pure is not one of them. You can run it mile after mile after mile and not have to change it so often as you may see, you know? Our racing is saying, what do you think of M1 and M5 on turbo cars? And he's referring to methanol 1 and methanol M5 and there's M3 in between all the components from the company VP. I think they're great fuels. The M1 is one that allows you to pass a water test. M1 is a pure methanol. It allows you to, it has the, it's hygroscopic in nature both, which means it has affinity to absorb moisture from the atmosphere. But if you are in a sanctioned body where you are uh, spec'd for a type of methanol, M1 will pass a water test, no problem. And M5 has oxygenates inside of it and can yield you more power than you may see with M1 or even M3, depending. Of course, you're jetting if your carburetor will have to change and then if you have the opportunity to be able to push the, uh, uh, the envelope more with injectors, you can definitely make more power with that. The one thing is that you cannot leave them in your fuel system. It's very corrosive to aluminum. So that being said, thank you so much, Dematic St. Pierre is awesome. I appreciate, Kim. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, the interesting thing about methanol is that you cannot leave it in your system because it does attack aluminum and rubber in fuel systems. So after a race, race weekend, the race of the day, if you have a mishap and have to retire the engine, pickle your engine. Means flush it out, add gasoline. If you have a very high compression engine, put in some high octane fuel. Have a map, that's what I typically do, have a separate map for it and flush your system and then you'll be good. Yes, it will eat up your gas lines. Even with Teflon, it doesn't very, play very well with it. It doesn't play very well with aluminum either. But as a fuel, something I've talked about in Vinny's thing on Hoonigan, per unit air burned, let's say your engine ingests X amount of air, let's say one unit of air, even though you need more methanol, the methanol heat created with the right fuel ratio creates more heat than you would with gasoline or ethanol. Hence, you have an opportunity to make more power. Plus, because it does something which is known as having a very low latent heat of vaporization, when you spray it, when you atomize it, it tends to naturally absorb heat from its surroundings and create an environment where you have a cooler, denser intake charge. So that being said, it's absolutely fantastic, you know? Mr. Jimmy is asking, what's the difference between Pure Elite and Onyx? Well, the Elite is the full synthetic. So you have a 020, 530, 1040, and 2050 in full synthetic. The Onyx, which exists in the SAE, Society of Automotive Engineers, the SAE 30 and SAE 40, is a break-in mineral-based oil. So it has the proper amount of cleansing agents, the proper amount of, of, of protective zinc and moly to keep the engine safe. It is a mineral-based oil, so it allows for very good interaction with the rings to help a better seal and some other proprietary compounds that they won't even tell me what it is. <laughs> but break-in is Onyx, Elite is the pure synthetic, you know? What car do you recommend under 10,000 or 15,000? What does legendary BC recommend? It would be tuned for street strip circuit. What? S2K. What do you think? What do you think, Kevin? Car under $15,000. That would be good for like all around street strip circuit. 
I say eight to a thousand. I think it's a great buy. If you're, if you're road racing, you can probably get away with a good deal on a Cayman or a Boxster, um, but those don't take drag racing very well. <laughs> so, but S2000 is kind of, kind of cool. It's kind of good balance, you know? Um, Chris91 Tasma is asking, oh, thank you so much, Outracing. I'm here to help. Um, what is my favorite ECU and why? AM, Haltech, or Motec? So um, all three systems are good. So whether you're looking at the AM V2, the AM Infinity, the Haltech Platinum, Haltech Elite, or you're looking at Motec, any of the M series, they're all good ECUs. One thing I like about the AM is, first, the support is right here in good old USA in Southern California, so you can easily get support. That's one, which the other ones are overseas. Secondly, you don't have to pay for any upgrades. They're all open, by the way, you know? Um, oh, thank you, Ken. No problem. Next time, brother. <laughs> I want something different today. Um, so, um, yes, I do lift. I do lift. I do work out almost every day. Um, the AM, on, you know, if you look at the Motec, whenever you want to do any kind of very advanced closed loop, you have to buy that function, not control, you have to buy that function. You have to buy these options to open up, where the AM Infinity comes open complete with all yeah, the software and hardware just open. All the features are open all the time. You don't have to worry about that, which is pretty nice, you know? So that being said, it's not a challenge whatsoever. Um, oh, sorry, Ikenda. Ikenda, well, I'm here to help. Ikenda, the, the reason why I'm here is because it started, Tech Tuesday here started out with me getting the same questions on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, same emails coming in, same questions through the phone lines. And I said, you know, it would be great if there was an opportunity where I can answer these questions where everyone can, can, can enjoy. And most of these questions are, hey, BC, I have this project I don't understand. BC, could you explain this to me? BC, could you help me choose the right parts? Oh, BC, I'm curious about your project. Why did you do this? And I felt like everyone can learn from that. So that's why this started. And this is my 64th episode. So I've had 64 Tuesdays in a row, including Tuesdays fell on Christmas, Tuesday fell on New Year, Tuesday fell on when my son was born. I've come on in each one of these to help, hoping that I had the same opportunity when I was in your shoes, when I was trying to learn, you know? Thank you so much, PW, PBW forever. I appreciate that, you know? When will we see a 1200 horsepower BC Electro Petrol NSX? We will know soon. I was in meetings with Acura last week, and discussions are still happening, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, you know? Um, Yes, good job, man. Well, Kevin, was there a question about uh, three-stage VTEC? You asked it like three times. What do you think about it? Oh, cool. So three-stage VTEC, I think it's very good. We've had a few cars here from Southern California come into tune with three-stage VTEC. It kind of gives you a very nice opportunity for a very light um, flat torque curve. And there's a very nice way of doing it. So whether you have a, an AEM or a Hondata, you can use the standard ECU, but you need to use another output with a solenoid or relay to activate the third stage solenoid. So when done properly, based upon RPM and load, you can have a very nice torque curve. And if you take away any of the stages, you see a dip in power. It's really cool. And not everyone knows how to tune it. Uh, the first time I did, I had to be very creative, but you can do it with even a standard S300. You can do it with an AM V2. You can do it with an Infinity. You just need to have your VTEC solenoid connected to the VTEC output, and then have another output, which can be ground or 12 volt switch, which is also load and RPM based, Activate the third solenoid, and you'll be good to go. Um, once your kids ask me, is it true I'm a Nigerian prince? I am Nigerian, but I'm not a prince. Um, I come from a very nice household, but my parents are scientists. 
they both studied here in the United States, and I followed suit. I just love science and everything scientific, but um, my parents are both hardworking people. They have a cosmetics company back in Nigeria, and uh, no, I'm not a prince. I'm not royalty. I'm just a guy who loves cars just like you and who loves science. That's just me, so I hope that helps. I am not a king. I may be the single cam king <laughs> back in the day, but no, <laughs> I'm not a king. But thank you for asking, nonetheless. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Uh, ben is saying, um, hey, BC, awesome show. Thanks for the help. My question is, would an LSD dip break if I use a normal dip oil in it? So it depends on what type of limited slip differential you have. You know, I don't drink Kagan water. I don't even know what Kagan water is, JP Bureau. So back to the question about the LSD. It's one of the reasons why I like Quave. So I have a Quave LSDs in this, in the, I don't know if you guys can see the red Porsche back there, in the Cayman. It is a gear-based, helical gear-based setup. And that being said, thank you very much, Sam. You're very kind. Um, being said, you cannot break it. It's just, unless you, I don't know what you could do to break one of those. Pretty robust. And I think they offer lifetime warranties here in the US. But I use regular gearbox oil in those, and it's not a challenge. Now, if you have a plate style, that's a whole different story. Depending on the make and design of plates, you should always use the lubricants that are recommended by the manufacturer. But, and sometimes you have to use these, these uh, uh, friction additives to them. But you don't have to worry about that with Quave. I love those things, you know. You have a viscous LSD in your S13. Interesting. I do like the Quake ones quite a bit, you know. See, Perry's asking, is that my red 935 back there with a the big wang? And no, it's not. That's Rod Chung, one of my clients and good friends. He sent it here all the way from the UK, and we're going to be modernizing that to the T. So that being said, it's not mine, you know? I'm switching to Pure All. F it. If my motor knocks, I'll complain to you. You can complain to me at all. You know, if your engine knocks, there's something else going on. <laughs> there's something else going on. Engine knock is typically as a result of preignition. Uh, too much ignition timing, poor quality fuel, you name it. And if you have a proper engine management, it should, or a proper tuner, it should allow the opportunity to, uh, to uh, automatically retard timing and add fuel appropriately. Um, oil will not induce knock. Now, if you use a poor lubricant, yes, you can have metal-to-metal -metal contact and spin a bearing. But this stuff, these guys are pretty bad. I haven't, I use it in everything. It's, it's, I'm a huge advocate, and I'm very particular with what I do, who I partner with. It's pretty interesting, you know? My pleasure, Fox Design. So Fox Design is saying thanks for the mention. He made this pretty cool, it looks so cool. It's like this wood grain. I need to show it to you guys. In, on the dash of the wagon, it's absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful indeed, you know? What's my favorite Honda? If you're asking what's my favorite Honda that's ever been done on planet Earth, um, I really like new NSX a lot. And that's, let's say that's under the Honda umbrella. I like it a lot. What is my favorite Honda from the Honda badge itself? I would say they've really outdone themselves with Type R. I love the technology and how it feels like a front, doesn't feel like a front wheel drive at all. It feels like a rear wheel drive application. A little bit loud inside for my taste. The ultimate Honda for me would be something that has a Type R setup in an SI body. That would be really cool. In the SI coupe, that would be really cool. In my arsenal, my favorite Honda here to drive, of course, is the wagon, the wagon van. That thing is awesome. <laughs> I'm laughing just talking about it. It's really a, a great setup. Um, Ken Show is asking, do I WPC my engines? Yes, I do. I'm a huge advocate of Izumi's technology, huge advocate of WPCing components. It's very, very important to me to be able to apply it to my crankshaft and my bearings, to my rods, and also my valve train. Very important. Anything that allows me to reduce friction is absolutely fantastic, and I am sold on that technology, especially after 
witnessing some of the SAE papers they were able to share with me, which is pretty cool, you know? Tariq is asking, how do I feel about the D-Series Jackson Racing Supercharger and the Z6 on the CRX4 roadways? I think it's very good. It's a very good idea. The one thing about supercharging is it allows you to have absolutely no boost. It makes your engine act like a larger NA setup, which I like very much. It does take away some energy to turn the supercharger, and I feel that boosting, turbocharging gives me a lot more flexibility in the characteristics of the engine, but I have no objection to supercharging whatsoever, you know? Thank you, Face Breaks. I appreciate the kind words. Would the Wagon Van have boost by speed per gear, or can you put it down in first? So already, AJ, as we sit now, even as I sit at, I think I'm about 29 PSI right now, I already initiated a boost per gear. I know better to put 1,000 horsepower in first gear. That, it won't. It's not very good. It will not adhere unless I have some, I don't even think it's, it's possible. So yes, it already has it right now. And despite that, with me just guesstimating, so what I've done is I think I put in wastegate in first gear, a little bit more boost in second, and then the subsequent gears I have at 29. And so far at 772, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. So it works out like that. Belize in the house. Good seeing you. Big ups as well. Um, Crosswalk supercharger, APSI, or turbo, APSI for D16? Depends on application. If you had a choice, turbocharging. It just gives you more flexibility. And I love the flexibility of turbocharging where I have full control of boost. I am not mechanically cogged to a crankshaft in terms of boost and the dynamics of the engine. I like to have some flexibility. Alfie, good seeing you and good afternoon, sir. Thank you for joining me today in the wonderful Tech Tuesday. The time is flying, by the way. Alfie's a great guy. He's been a great advocate for me and becoming a very good friend. And I was kind enough to donate some lights to my beautiful red Porsche back there. It's pretty nice, you know? Full street car still. I would still go for the turbocharged application if you had the option, you know? Uh, we lifted a head gasket this weekend. Need some beast parts. Check the DMs. Okay, Dippin' Deep. We'll take a look and I'll see how I can help, you know? I should do a project on the VAG 1.8 T platform. I would love to be able to do some water-cooled VAG stuff. I've always admired VWs, water-cooled VWs from afar. Even this weekend um, when Kevin was here, we are talking about his excursion with BMWs and everything German and water-cooled, and I really like the Euro R's. I just haven't had a chance to play one. It was much easier when I have a relationship with the manufacturer. It's pretty nice, you know? Do I recommend a front-wheel drive for all-round racing that you can daily? Front-wheel drive is something that I have seen as a challenge, a challenge that I welcomed for many, many years. And it was very interesting to be able to have large slicks in the front of my drag car. It was very great to hit 150 miles an hour. And A, with my inside back there, it was great to have wheelie bars and do all kind of cool things to be able to go against what physics does to us. Because physics dictates that when you launch a car, the weight transfers to the rear, and naturally your front wheels want to lift up. So above and beyond that, it's not the best for adhesion if you want to drag race. But front-wheel drives are very simple to manufacture. They're great in slippery conditions, being in snow and wet, because you're pulling instead of pushing. They're, they're just very fun projects. But ever since I had the opportunity to experience rear-wheel drives via Porsches, and then finally all-wheel drive with a wagon, man, I hope Kevin over here didn't kill me, but front-wheel drive is kind of... Not the best. <laughs> he 100% agrees with me. It's just, it's just not, you know. Torino's asking, Torino ED is asking, do I make NA cams for the Z6? I'm so embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, Torino, because it's my fault. It's my fault that you didn't know that. It's not your fault at all. 
My background has been in naturally aspirated D-series engines. I have records that have stood since the 90s that stand till today that people have not even come close to. Um, we've got a D-series, a D15 to go 10.7 at 124 years ago, before Palmdale even closed down, for those of you who remember Palmdale. So to answer your question, yes, I have over 38 different profiles for the Z6, which my most popular one, if you're going to be some website, is the level two, be some old Z6 camshaft. And the level three is one that's a very nice cam as well, but level two is the most popular one. So I do have many different NA Z6 cams, and I really hone my teeth in natural aspirated single cam D-series engines, you know? Um, which one, 2019, all-wheel drive Passport, Ridgeline, or Pilot? It depends. I like the new Passport. It's really cool, very nice vehicle that's very spacious, and Honda really went above and beyond to give some luxury into that. Um, for that price, I may go with a CX-9 Mazda, which offers a lot, lot, just really amazing features, reliability, and just accoutrements, which are very nice. If you're going to be hauling things, I know you're Jeremiah, type 2. A ridge line may be up your alley because you, you toss things around. You carry things around. So it may be good to have a ridge line. That may not be that. AJ! AJ from Relentless Racing. Good afternoon, sir. Good seeing you this afternoon. By the way, guys, AJ is a fellow engineer. Very down-to-earth guy. Great instructor. Fantastic racer. And last time when I went testing with our friends from Race Pack with the center seat um, boxman and the NSX, I utilized skills skill sets and advice that AJ gave me. So if you guys are in the Southern California area and you're looking for a good instructor or someone who can really point you in the right direction when it comes to racing, road racing, AJ is the man. AJ, I really, really appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much. You know? um, let's see. Oh, thank you so much, Edding Good. You're very kind. Um, I talked about the best Hondas. I think I talked about it a moment ago. Does Lopez crankshafts build my stroke kit or just a crank? Who do I go to for rods? Lopez, I used to be named Lopez. Lopez Crankshafts is a place I've used for many, many years. And what Lopez does for me, he's been able to offset grind stuff. He's been able to resuscitate bad crankshafts. They do great polishing. He's a very talented man. But I don't go to them for stroker kits. Um, for rods, wow, it depends. We can help you with some designs. Just uh, shoot an email at lab at bsmo.com or sales at bsmo.com and we'll have a good time with you, you know? Ben is asking, have you ever thought about putting a Honda engine in a Porsche 911? Not in a 911. Because, in my opinion, I think that's blasphemy. <laughs> I can appreciate people who do that. I appreciate the creativity, but I wouldn't do that. What I have thought of is, uh, AJ's tag on, is Relentless Racing. It's AJ, it's AJ, um, AJ's tag on IG, Relentless Racing. What I've thought of is putting a K-Series engine in either a 914, like that, what's back there, oh, I'm sorry, right back there, or into a Boxster. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, but uh, not, a, not a 911. A 911, the worst thing I've done is put a water-cooled engine in an air-cooled chassis like this one. This one has a GT2 water-cooled engine with a sequential gearbox in an old-school G-body. That's the craziest thing I would do with a 911. That's about it, you know? Um, can we buy the Boxer Hardtop you have anywhere? Yeah, you can buy it from us. We have it available. Shoot me a DM or email, and I'd be more than happy to assist you. You can get in both carbon fiber and fiberglass, which is pretty cool. My pleasure, Just Jesus. Have I done any rally racing? No, I have not, Son of Pain. I would love to. That'd be really cool, but I haven't. 
maybe I should build the MR2 to be a rally. What do you think, Kevin? Should I put the MR2 to be more rally? Well, not if you're going to put Civic motor in it. What are you talking about? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, K-Series and 904, that should be pretty cool. Yeah, that should be good. Uh, would a hard top work on a 987 Boxster? Good question. I'll find out. Shoot me an email, sales.bcmod.com. Let me find out if it'll fit. Because I've only put them in 986s. It depends how bad they've changed. I don't know. And let me know if you're racing or if it's a street thing as well, you know? Facebook's saying, hey, BC, I'm thinking about getting a CRX. Are mods to make power easy to obtain or install? What is a way to make some reliable power if I'm looking daily as well? So the CRX, wonderful car for his day. It's a, I, I love, mm, let me take this back. I love three cars when I came to this country. Came to this country as far back as 1989. There are three cars I just like fell in love with that I had to have if my budget allowed me. And my budget didn't allow me to do the first two. Well, my first was really a financial budget. The second was a mental budget. And the third was actually what I ended up getting. So I fell in love with the MR2 first gen, the Pontiac Fiero, and the CRX. I did. <laughs> I'm getting this crazy look from Kevin. I loved it. The look, the wedge look, the fiberglass, it looked really, really cool. You're going to catch on fire. I didn't know that at first. So he said catches on fire. I didn't know that at first. So that being said, I couldn't afford the MR2. The Fiero, I looked at Consumer Reports, and that was out. And then the CRX was the next one. So CRX is a very nimble, very cool car. I think it's Honda had to, I don't even know what the Honda's going to do to outpace themselves with that. It's just maybe the Type R is the closest thing, but the CRX was so iconic. The first gen was cool. The second gen was even better. And the one thing about CRX is as nimble and fun as they are is by today's standards, even by standards about a decade ago, they're not powerful enough. They're just not enough fun. So here's how you can make your CRX fun. K-swap it. Don't kill me, guys. But really, it does a great job. Either you do a D-series and go ham on it, or you K-swap. And a K-swap is absolutely fantastic. It, it just allows you to have the power and liability of a stock engine and you can do north of 200 wheel NA. And you just have the fun factor and heritage of the old school CRX. It's really cool. Torino loves the CRX, absolutely. And to answer your question between Ferreira and Supertech, definitely I love Supertech AJ. That's my choice, you know? Hey BC, have you seen the D16 Z6 that is running 90 at 161, almost eight? It's in stock sleeves, OCSS. Car's name is Nanny. I don't know that, but I do know there's a team, I don't know the owner's name, um, who just made, and I should put a post up soon, they made 822 horsepower to the wheels in a D-Series. And of course, they're using BC Motor camshafts. So that being said, a BC Motor camshaft, I should say. So I love any one single cam doing crazy, crazy stuff. I love it, love it. And pretty much everyone out there that's doing well has some component from us there, which is pretty good. But more power to any D-Series guys are out there putting in work. I love it. I absolutely love it indeed, you know? My pleasure, face breaks. B-series, just Isus, I hear you. The B-series, as Kevin has in his lovely EF, is the small block Chevy of the Honda world. It'll continue to have aftermarket support, has tons of it, and it's really a fun car. And nowadays, you know, the prices kind of fluctuate. Sometimes I think go up and they come down, but despite the case, the B-series are still workhorses. Don't sleep on a B-series. You can get embarrassed by one very easily. You know, thank you so much, Innovative Mouse. It came from you. <laughs> well, you via high end. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much, you know. 
Javon King, can you make a phenolic intake manifold gasket for a Porsche 944 Turbo? Absolutely I could. Demand will dictate, unless you want a one-off, if you want a one-off, write to me. One-offs can be a little pricey, but I can definitely do that for you, you know? Um, what is the ultimate head and bottom end for an all-motor K-series build? What about turbo K-series build? So that's a great question, AJ. So when it comes to bottom end, I would say anything K24-wise that would be ideal. From TSX, from the Element, um, from the CRV, anything bottom end, K24 would be good. The ultimate head, ultimate head, oh, would be the intake ports of a K24-Z7 and the K20-Z3 exhaust ports. But how about this? If you want to use something that's commercially available, I'll say full TSX. That would be ultimate. Um, that would be the ultimate. Full late model TSX before the integrated manifold. And speaking of integrated manifold, when you go turbocharge, you can't beat that, guys. I'm telling you, I've talked about it. I've proven it. I'll show more data concerning that to allow people to understand more. When you have that integrated head, it's like a very efficient log manifold. You put a shorty exhaust manifold from PRL, put a turbo on it, the thing spools like crazy. You can spool a 72 millimeter like, like that, like it's nothing. You don't have enough chance to lose heat and radiation to the atmosphere that is supposed to do a good job in spooling the turbo very nicely. You know? Oh, um, so I, Kevin, yes, I like the four pistons head. I love, I love Luke's stuff and what he does in terms of CNC machining. Um, but I assume that uh, AJ was asking about a base head. But definitely, there's so much benefit in porting. I'm a huge advocate of doing appropriate head porting and polishing appropriately. The head holds the highest potential for power, definitely. You know? So back to the turbocharged K-series, the head from the K24Z7 and Z3 with the integrated port is ideal for turbocharging. And you don't have the heat issues of rejecting heat into the engine bed that you may have with long manifolds. It's amazing, which is absolutely fantastic. You know. Any word on when you start playing with rotary engines? So Kappa, that's the beautiful beauty of the internet and me interacting with you every week. So I keep you guys up to date with my interactions with the manufacturers when I go to have time with them, when they send a car to me to play around with and get more intimate with their values and their culture and the cars themselves. But it takes a long process to have a relationship with a manufacturer. It happens over months, sometimes years. It took me three years to be able to work with Hyundai. It took me 12 years to work with Honda. Now, I'm not saying it's gonna take that long for Mazda, but it does take time. I definitely will have the opportunity to keep you guys abreast when I do secure a closer relationship with Mazda, we can start building cars with them. It'll be absolutely fantastic. I think good is saying, is, is four figures possible in a D-series? It is possible with a lot of massaging. Is it worth it? If you're, that's your goal, yes, it can be, but it can be quite financially draining. For example, my experience has been when I pushed my D-series post 750, I cracked my block in half. I cracked the block, it just wasn't designed. This is an Econobox engine that was designed to make 100 horsepower, thereabout and we're doing multiples of that horsepower. And what I noticed that my friends up north and dealer, um, uh, dealers up north, which is uh, Speed Factory, they experienced the same thing as me. When they start pushing it towards 800, they crack the block too and start making a block place, brace. The guys who just uh, on, I think they ran um, uh, Ignite 114, Ignite 115, anyway, the E98 from Ignite, and they just did 822 on a D-Series recently, they also have a brace on the engine. So when you, you have to brace the engine to keep it together. By that time, I, I'll just do okay. <laughs> you know, I love these, but it's possible. Head work, bracing, a lot of work. The turbocharger will have the opportunity to be able to dictate that and the components and tuning, but it can be an expensive excursion, you know? 
Would there be a benefit from a D15B ported head versus a white head? If the ports are the same, no. Um, actually, the ported D15B VTEC could flow more than your stock Y8. It depends. If you're porting both, you can have a contour to get the same flow. Am I able to tune remotely? So, Javron, yes, I am, but I don't do it. The reason why is because remote tuning, it's impossible to optimize ignition timing. You can't optimize ignition timing remotely. You can't optimize it on the street. There are also certain nuances that you can't tell on the engine unless you're in front of it. There are certain things you can hear, feel, smell. There are certain things you can look at with temperatures. That I just don't do it. It's not a good... It's not good for, for you, it's not good for the client, it's not good for the, the industry. I'm not a huge advocate of it. It's better for you to find a local tuner that is worth his, his or her salt, a local tuner that has the opportunity to be very reputable and can do a good job for you. I can supply you a base map remotely, but I can't optimize it remotely, especially the street tunes. Here's a good question for you. We spend a lot of time optimizing ignition and cam timing. Manufacturers spend millions of dollars optimizing a proper cam control protocol for engines. You cannot optimize that on the street. You need a dyno to be able to do that. And that may be my third thing that I, I may have a hard time with. I have a hard time with eBay turbos, retired pistons, and remote tuning may be the next one, or street tuning may be the next one. You just can't optimize it. You need a dyno to be able to quantify the changes you're making. You know. So I hope that helps. What head block and parts would be the best for NAD series for the road? So I think good, it depends on your horsepower potential. Um, if you're doing full-out drag, um, I like the D16A6 stuff, the non-VTEC. You can go to town with that and have very big ports. That's what I've you know, broken most of my records with. Um, if you want something that has a very nice wide power band, I would say the D16Z6 head and block is good. I love the oiling on the Z6. I'm not too much a fan of the oiling on the Y8 from where it starts from one side of the block and goes to the other. Definitely the Z6 starting from the center and spreading outwards does a much better job in, in oiling design. So that being said, um, I'm not a huge advocate of that. Yes, Pirate Auto, FTW, they just came in right now. It's pretty nice, you know? Um, you have to get your arm x-ray, Torino. So net-net, yes, I do have tons of profiles for the D16Z6 on the bcmodel.com website and web store. The level 2 is the most popular one. Level 3 makes the most power. And if you go to the level X, you're full all-out race. So I have tons. So if this is a street strip setup, level 2 is very common. Level three is one of my favorites, but full out race, level X, you know? What's my opinion on the Turbo F22? Is it F22C or F22A? Let me know, PGB. Good morning, Dr. Arzuni. Good seeing you, sir. Hope things are well over there in the UAE. Hello, David. Good afternoon. Zabi, waves to you as well. Thank you very much for joining us. This wonderful Tech Tuesday. And A, F22A, okay. I think it's awesome. The F22A head flows more factory than most ported B series. And what does that mean? Head, the cinder head has, holds the highest potential for power. So that being said, you can have a lot of fun with an F22A turbo. I am all for it. We have piston rod combos where we save you guys a lot of money. We have valve train for it. We have camshafts, cam gears, you name it. By all means, yes, I didn't go to F22A6. F22AX, F22A1, F22A4 is a king of single cabs. Big displacement, nice lightweight, amazing valve angles, so you can go crazy with camshafts. It's absolutely fantastic. Are you go for racing? That's you're going old school USSR stuff here. Yeah, that's pretty nice, you know. 
I can't wait to see you as well, doctor. Let me know when you're back in the country. We have so much to discuss, so many great things to do, you know? An 08S2K. Well, we definitely need to talk, doctor. By all means, good job. Good job on that, you know? My pleasure, PGB. And you can go to local wrecking yards and pick those things up for nothing. You can get a court engine for like 200 bucks. It's amazing bang for buck. It really is good. And stock 2.2. It's great. Thank you, Rolo, for the kind words. I appreciate that. My goodness, time is flying. Almost time to go. <laughs> Almost time to go, you know? Uh, let's see. Will the K24 Z7 do at 500 CFM? Well, it starts dropping off after 450 quite rapidly until you port it very nicely. Um, 76 Triumph Survivor swapped to Army out of running gear and drivetrain. Too much work for one guy? Yeah, unless you're a very talented fabricator, it may not be. Static, I am in Ontario, California, as I commonly refer to as the center of the universe. <laughs> so thank you so much. Adion Costa, thank you so much for sharing that. Yes, I am in Ontario, California. Um, I can make a lot of noise here and not be disturbed, you know? My thoughts on 904, it was Porsche's almost rescue for the 911. I think it offers a lot, not much aftermarket support, extremely balanced as a car. I think, and I see the market starting to creep up a little bit. I think it's a cool car. I don't own one yet, but I think it's really cool. Oh, you're Ontario, Canada. Ontario, Ontario, C-A-C-A, -A, but different parts of the hemisphere. Um, how do I measure dynamic compression? There are many ways you can measure that. Um, there are software programs out there that can allow you to do that. The easiest way to measure that in dynamic compression is to use pressure devices or transducers between the head. Um, oh, thank you so much, Conduti. I appreciate the kind words. Um, ah, no worries. My apologies for that, sir. Um, so, not in tuning or building personally, but in designing parts, yes. Pistons and rods, you know. Thank you so much. It's much warmer, I should say, Alfie. So, thank you so much for sharing that Ontario, California, it's much better. Um, I've been to Canada. People there are very pleasant, but it's very, very cold, especially this time of year. So, I hope you're staying warm out there in Ontario. Hope everything is well, you know. I see that um, our friend Zabi has a stock 96EK, needs more power. What would I recommend? On a budget. On a budget, intake, header, exhaust, proper oil, and nitrous. <laughs> That's what I recommend on a budget. Um, but turbocharger, you can't, you can't go, you cannot go bad with that at all, you know. Um, BC, I'd like you to do an electric S2000. Someone on Evo forums bought a roller and added electric motor. That's pretty cool. I think that's cool. I wouldn't mind doing that. That'd be a pretty nice project, you know. Thank you so much, Tomek. And appreciate you liking the show that we did when Fast's Car. Hopefully you enjoyed the show quite a bit. And by the way, as I mentioned earlier in our interaction today, my loss was actually a good thing. It allowed me to build this Waggle Van. Because I had issues with traction on that car during that day, and other people were misbehaving in terms of the rules, I had the opportunity to build something that's so awesome that is slated for Season 3. So stay tuned. Season 3 is going to be really, really exciting. My pleasure, Zavi. My pleasure indeed. Well, guys, it's almost the end of the hour. I really appreciate you guys joining me this afternoon. Please provide me some feedback on how you like our sessions, what you'd like to see of us. I have this pretty crazy red. Timer, see how it went red? It <laughs> shows me that it's time for me to go. But nonetheless, I'll be more than happy to oblige. I take criticism constructively and love to be able to help you guys out. So in the meantime, stay tuned. Take care. Oki, great job on the wagon. Congratulations. AJ, see you soon. Blessings as well at Mall, and have a pleasant afternoon. Take care, everyone. Cheers.